Hi, my name is Abby Deblack with the MacGyver Institute, and this is the MacGyver Newsmakers Podcast. Today, we are joined by two parents, Mark Renault of the Middleton Cross Plains Area School District and Emily Donahue of the Elmbrook School District, to talk about Integrated Comprehensive Systems for Equity, or ICS, and its practical implications in school districts across the state. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me today. I think, you know, as we're talking about ICS for Equity, it's very ambiguous. A lot of parents kind of have heard of the phrase ICS, have maybe seen it in other districts, maybe seen it in their own, but aren't really sure what it is or why it's bad. So if you guys could explain, you know, just kind of high level, what is ICS for Equity? Um, it, it's a, that's a, it is a tough question to answer because there's a lot going on with ICS equity. Um, I mean, if I try and sum it up very quickly, it is a fundamental uh, restructuring of a school district um, to promote an extreme social constructivist view of education. Um, so fundamentally changing how all schools work in the district um, to promote this view that is sort of anti-science, anti-reality. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a fundamental change of how the school approaches and their focus is, is you know, everything we're seeing in terms of uh, the culture wars. Um, their, main, their main text is leading for social justice. And so it's all about pushing the sort of, if you want the, the CRT, the critical race theory into schools and the, and the woke agenda. Yeah, and I mean, I think that definition in and of itself should be alarming to parents. So I know you guys are in Middleton, Mark, and Emily, you're in the Elmbrook district. Can you guys talk about, you know, what, what made you first start looking into ICS or what made you first start realizing, you know, this should be something we are keeping our eyes on, anything like that? What was kind of what attracted you guys, got your attention? I, um, I first connected with Mark um, on a Facebook group, um, parents just really trying to understand what was going on in our school district and just put out a, a message asking if anybody else had worked with ICS. Um, Mark responded and I learned that his current superintendent was the assistant superintendent in our district when ICS for Equity was hired um, in Elmbrook. And not only that, but uh, this person was working with uh, the, the um, professors that are co-founders of ICS for Equity to um, you know, work on her dissertation. So as she was working on her PhD, um, then engaged Elmbrook in hiring um, ICS to do an equity audit. Um, and I think to Mark's point, it's, it's this framework, it's fundamentally different than how education um, is thought of and the community is the last to learn of what ICS is planning or implementing. So um, the discussion in 2011, 2012 was talking about um, just special education and, and that was uh, what that was phrased as. Um, many of the board members, you know, the discussion was, let's put this on the shelf for a little bit and we'll address it. Nobody really understood until recently after George Floyd that our district had actually been implementing it all along um, without the board or parents understanding 
you know, what was happening and what was going on. Um, and I think that that was, you know, just our first red flag that something was a little bit different was when our equity non-negotiables were being presented in December of 2020. And one of the red flag statements um, that our administration wanted us to, or one of the school board to approve was uh, decentering whiteness in all areas and elevating marginalized groups. That was probably the first red flag that perhaps um, ICS may be rooted in critical race theory because you had a, a statement where you had uh, a group that was considered the oppressors and the group that was the oppressed, which is what you typically see in a critical race theory or critical theory in general. Um, it, and, you know, that it was something that our administration wanted the board to um, push through. And that was a huge red flag to them where much of, you know, flew under the radar. This was something that was alarming to them. Um, and so even though in June, our administration, uh, you know, learned that the board was not going to approve the equity non-negotiables um, and there are feedback that we're getting from teachers is that they're still implementing the equity despite the board um, not approving and moving forward with that. So I, I'm not even sure what our board does <laughs> anymore. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, I believe we joined the district. Uh, so we, we immigrated um, recently or four years ago to, to Wisconsin. Um, uh, we're Canadian from France. Um, so, um, but, and so I, the ICS had already sort of been on the go, on the move in, in Middleton. And so we kind of, uh, we found out about the ICS training through um, some discussions we had in particular with our elementary school um, principal, um, mainly because there was some uh, disturbing uh, definitions that were being taught to third graders. Basically, the, they had an assignment that should have been just exploring a, a country in the world, like a simple uh, geography assignment. And they were being taught that, that race determines your behavioral qualities. Um, and so that was very disturbing. And, and kind of this led to discussions and understanding what was happening in the district and that we had this extreme framework that they're they're implementing. Um, and I guess just, just to touch on what Emily said, let's see if I can find the quote, but the, the, or I guess I can kind of walk through, I kind of, there's, there's kind of some, a series of steps that they, that ICS equity kind of implements um, to, to, to kind of get into a district, it seems. And this is, I've heard a bunch of other districts where the same sort of thing has occurred. Um, usually what it starts with is there's going to be some sort of petition uh, presented to the board about how sort of how racist uh, the school district is basically. Um, there'll typically be a Linktree uh, website associated with this um, and they'll bring all these signatures and the signatures will basically be school alone. Um, I know we didn't do this in our district, I, I, but uh, New Berlin analyzed it and found that only like 20% of the signatures were actually residents of the district. Um, and so this is to kind of kick up, kick things off. And the solution to this, the horrors that are happening in the district is to do an equity audit and ICS needs to come in and do the equity audit. 
um, the equity audit is basically, I mean, it's, it's like, I don't know, it's, it reminds me of like Scientology's uh, IQ test, you know, no matter what you score, they can help. <laughs> and so the, uh, they do the equity audit, they find how horrible your district is. And so you need to implement ICS equity. Um, this can be, you know, this can be a long process because you might need board votes or whatever. So ICS starts off by offering some seminars for the school board um, to get the school board members uh, on board. And then it kind of rolls from there and they, they roll it out, they'll roll it out to the teachers. And then if parents are concerned about some of the strange stuff that's happening, the answer will be, oh, it's not happening in the classroom. It's not changing the classroom. This is just teacher training to make them better teachers. Um, once they've, you know, gotten through the, the teacher indoctrination, then, then they roll it out into the students. Um, and then sort of where Middleton is toward the end of this process now. So it's, it's well into the schools. They're doing a, what they call a vertical integration of our social studies curriculum. I think Ellenbrook talked about a rejig of the social studies too, but um, basically it's, it's uh, yeah, sort of bringing in CRT into uh, all this, the, the full thing of social studies. Um, and the sort of the final process of where this, this hits to, and it's starting to happen in Middleton, we just had, so they're, they're introducing a mandatory critical race theory course for all grade nine students at Middleton High School. Um, I don't have the name in front of me. I'll have to look that up, but it's like people power and privilege or something like that. Um, and so this can be a new mandatory course at Middleton High School. Um, and uh, so they, they, they get it right into the classroom. And then what the teacher, what the principal of the Middleton High School said in the video was talking about how they're going to raise our children. They're going to raise our children to be whatever. And this is, this is where it moves to. This is sort of the final step in their, in their handbook, in their book for leading for social justice. And this is, I think, where Middleton is going next. They really infringe on, on parental rights, on the family. They talk about, they talk regularly about home visits. Um, there's even points where they talk about it, like the teachers doing safari into the, into the, <laughs> into the homes to, to better understand it. It is a real, and this is where it's going. So this is why I said this extreme social constructivism, uh, why I mentioned earlier. So the, this, this helped me a lot when I, when I first saw what they were doing, I was shocked. I'm an educator myself. And so, um, but my, my education, so when I did my PhD, which is in computer science, but when I did my PhD in Paris, a component of doing the PhD when you have a teaching mission is to get some pedagogical training. And so I was, I was trained more in the European mode, the French mode anyway, which is based, uh, the, the big influencer there is Piaget. So it's based in science. And, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to implement something, you, you need to have some, some experiments to back it up as to why it's going to work and that sort of thing. Um, when we're looking at what ICS is doing, and I think a lot of the school system, especially in the, in the U S is very much influenced by Dewey, um, who is a pragmatist uh, and uh, an American philosopher and, and sort of influenced uh, a lot by uh, Marxism and uh, Rousseauianism and stuff. And so what this gets into, just to where I'm going with this, is that it's got this extreme social constructivist view, which means that they believe, if, if I'm going to, and I'm, I'm going to be butchering some of these definitions, so an actual philosopher is going to hate what I'm saying probably, but essentially what it is, is that they believe that the, the milieu, the, the place, the environment is all that dictates sort of what's going to develop the person. Um, and there's no genetics, there's no individuality, everyone is a maskless identity group, which fits nicely into the wokeness stuff. And so 
a big part of ICS is changing the environment, is structuring the environment for this neo-Marxian to create this utopian school that's going to create a utopian society. And the, you know, the kids are massless pawns and they're just going to create the right environment. And that leads to having to control the family as well. That's sort of where it gets to the, the extreme. And so that's part of these home visits. We've had teachers show up at sporting events. I mean, it gets disturbing. Um, and that's, that's, and the other, the other part of this is to, which again, helped me to kind of see where they're coming from is when you think of it, or at least when I think of education, I think the majority of people think of education, it's about a transfer of knowledge and teaching skills. But from this Rousseauian uh, sort of extreme social constructivist point of view, that's not what it's about. It's about creating a society. They don't care about skills, ICS equity in their, in their handbook. They talk about, um, I'd have to, I could find the exact quote, but essentially they talk about getting rid of grades. Um, they talk about how it's hard to do in high school because of how society is set up. Um, in Middleton, the elementary school no longer does grades. They do celebrations of learning, which is the teacher just saying what they hope the kids had learned during the year. So there's no chance for remedial stuff. And that's the, I guess, that, that is the other big thing to watch out for for ICS equity is one of their big things they talk about is, um, uh, is uh, heterogeneous classrooms. And so this fundamentally means when they come into a district, they're going to remove all remedial special needs in advance. Programs. They don't want any pullout of students. So if there are students that have special needs or there are students that are gifted and talented, they don't want to do any any kind of pullout. So, and there's a lot of emphasis too on proportionality. So, rather than um, students choosing classes based on their interest and their um, area, you know what what they're interested, what they're good at, there is very much a um, push to have a, a certain proportions of certain identities in each class and have equal representation. Um, almost to the point where we're not even allowing things to organically happen. They are controlling the, uh, the construct, the environment of learning. So um, more focus on not really on equal opportunity, but equal outcomes. Um, so you don't have honors classes. You don't have uh, AP classes. And so one of the things that was a, a red flag for parents in um, Elmbrook at Brookfield East, there was an honors biology class that took two weeks of academics out of honors biology and inserted social justice um, into the curriculum. So you know, something that a year or two ago they would have spent 20 minutes talking about um, HELA. Now we've spent two weeks talking about, um, you know, redlining in Milwaukee and, and things like that, that, you know, might be more of a historical component, but not doesn't really address honors biology. Um, or in an English class, we, uh, a, a student shared uh, a, an exercise in the honors English class where it showed uh, a pathway for uh, an individual of one race and a pathway of an individual of another race. And it, it was gross exaggeration of stereotypes that don't really allow for any individuality. It, it's 
you know, if you are a certain race, then this is what your background is, regardless of whether it is or not. Um, and and I think to touch on what Mark was saying, the ICS for Equity, their their instruction manual is the leading um, for social justice, and it outlines specifically how to implement unpopular equity principles. Um, the superintendent for uh, Mequon Beansville, and based on talking to parents in that district, it sounds like they may have been ground zero for ICS to work in the state of Wisconsin. It was something that uh, Elise Ratura and Colleen Capper pointed to while they were rolling out um, programs in neighboring Illinois. Um, but you know, his dissertation, the superintendent of Mequon Beansville, his dissertation reads as how could you get um, school board members to agree to equity principles because they're not popular. And so there's a lot of, um, it's almost like a, a word war in that, you know, you, you're asking for uh, administration to define terms and what they will define to board, the board members and parents are terms that everybody can agree on, which would be um, anti-racism, thinking about MLK's version of anti-racism, where you're treating people based on the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. But in reality, what they're pushing is really a, a Kendi version of anti-racism, which is you know the only solution to past racism is future racism. And so there's really no, uh, solution that is really being offered that allows for um, our society to move forward together. It's about constantly segregating and um, perpetuating derogatory stereotypes for everybody and doesn't allow for any individuality. Mark touched on this too. It's removing uh, the agency of the, the students. We're, they no longer have to be responsible for their success or failures. The, the teachers are now owning a lot of that. And so, um, you know, there's their ideology, ideologically, their, their thought process is that the system is so broken, the only way to fix it is to completely tear it apart and build it back together. And so um, in Shorewood, for example, the ICS trainer, they're also a biology teacher. Her video on their Facebook page basically says the train's leaving whether you're on board or not. Meaning, you know, this cause is so important. Um, we have the moral authority to move forward with an initiative with your children, whether it violates your, you know, family's values. Um, and so you think about families where you have uh, you know, biracial families. They're forcing children to look at their own individual family as one parent is an oppressor and one parent is the oppressed. That is, I mean, that is so dehumanizing to um, push that narrative without any parental permission whatsoever because they think it's going to work. And yet we've been doing it in our district for almost 10 years now. And our superintendent and administration is saying that, well, we need to do more of it because the kids that aren't feeling included, but 
but there's no real breakdown in their um, A, they're using a, a survey that, you know, Mark could complete a survey for Elmbrook um, and there's no real way of knowing, you know, he's a Middleton and, and there's no way of knowing. So we're making a lot of decisions and data based on faulty surveys, but if they're saying that kids still don't feel like they're included, yet we've been doing critical race theory for almost 10 years, then I think we've proven that it's not effective. I don't know that ICS can prove or show that what they're proposing actually solves the problem that they intend to solve. It actually creates more of a division. Can I jump in there, Emily? Yeah, please do. So just this is, uh, so what you'll get when you discuss, if you, if you ask for sort of what's the proof, what's the background, what's the backing, um, you'll get, um, they'll talk about years of, years of research. Um, and so they, they can't back it up with data because it's, it's, it's a, let me find the, the name of the article. It was published in Quillet. It was also published in the Chronicles of Higher Education. Um, a parent that um, went, is teaching in another ICS trained district did share all of it in the teacher training. All of the sources that they're quoting are greater than 10 years old. So none of this is even from a sound, you know, look, using sound research to base your decisions. It has to be less than 10 years old. They're using materials that are well over 10 years old. Well, um, go ahead. I, that's, I mean, it, if you have solid back research, I mean, stuff that's 10 years ago can still be, can still be right. valid. Um, right. the pro, so the, what, the article I was looking for is how ed schools became a menace. Um, you can find that, like I say, on Quillet, or it's also in the Chronicle of Higher Education, and it gets into a lot of details about this. What we've got, and I guess another reference that I would I would point out too, is uh, it's called uh, "Reading at the Reading at the uh, Sorry Language at the Speed of Sight: How We Read, Why So Many Can't, and What Can Be Done About It." This is by uh, Mark uh, Seidenberg. He's a UW professor, a cognitive scientist, specialist in reading, and the, the, the ed schools are, and, and you can see it in, in both of these, the, the ed schools are in a sense, they're sort of anti-science. Um, you've got this sort of uh, uh, idea laundering or information laundering. And so yes, they have 40 years of papers, but you've got papers with poor methodology. They're, they're philosophical papers. They're not papers that actually prove that the ideas are correct. So they're not, they're not rooted in a strong science foundation. Um, I'm just reading a, a really great book. It goes through the last, uh, it goes through 28 papers uh, that had huge impacts on, on education. And these are papers that are based in, in cognitive science and, and cognitive psychology. So they're rooted in, in science and, and a proper methodology. And one thing, one thing that this particular, this particular text gets into at the end, they talk about the 10 biddly sins of education and all and it's, it's almost like a list of what ICS equity promotes um, and so to get to some more concrete examples of, of some really bad stuff that ICS equity is going to encourage in the districts um, one of the worst things they're going to promote and their their whole their whole education framework they call it C3 which is uh, co-plan co-lead co-teach I believe um, it is all based around learning styles Learning styles is a huge myth. Um, Bark is one of the, the famous learning styles ones. 
Um, basically, it says like, oh, I'm only a visual learner. I'm only an audio learner. I only learn by reading. I only learn by kinesthetic. So it's kind of like you pigeonhole someone as this is the only way to learn. It has been disproven again and again and again. Um, oh, the book that I was talking about is How Learning Happens, Seminal Works in Educational Psychology and What They Mean in Practice. Just came out in 2020. It's a great overview of, of what we have in terms of science backed for education. Um, what they say about, about learning styles. Um, so their learning styles, it's a bogus theory claiming learners learn best in a preferred style. These so-called learning styles have been exposed as nonsense in research time after time. Um, it's not just me saying this. I mean, they're it is not only not only are learning styles uh, do they not work, but they can actually they've actually been shown to be detrimental to students learning because you end up pigeonholing students. And just the way human beings work is to learn. We want multiple inputs, and so the best learning happens if if you get all of the above as a learner. And so ICS is promoting this sort of extreme form of this of these learning style myths. It's just going to end up hurting hurting the education even more. Um, and just to jump back to a little bit of, about what uh, Emily said to give you some, some quotes in terms of what ICS Equity thinks about some of the stuff that was, that was mentioned there. Um, this, this, uh, this idea with the no, no advanced stuff, they, throughout their textbook, Leading for Social Justice, they constantly talk about uh, dismantling these programs. They call, so they call programs where if you say have an advanced program or remedial program, they call them segregated programs. And they only, they even go so far as to encourage people implementing ICS equity to lie to parents about the existence of these programs. And this is a quote on page 13. Uh, they're talking about meeting with parents about IEPs. And they say in these meetings, practitioners who are working toward dismantling segregated programs, again, segregated programs in this context is the special programs. Um, and moving to ICS, I found it helpful to assume that no separate programs exist in their schools. And we've had we've seen this in Middleton. Our youngest, when he first moved here, uh, scored really high on on the math aptitude test, and was was told that they're not doing they're not doing that. That every every student uh, scores high in the math test in Middleton, and so they don't bother with with uh, any sort of advanced placement. Um, in terms of what they do, in terms of the the school board. Um, this is a quote from the, the ICS textbook. In this model, the school board is a support mechanism but does not have top-down authority. It is actual bottom of the heap wrapped around the central office as a support. It's a, so they're saying it's a rubber stamp for the superintendent. Um, they go on to say, this is talking about being a superintendent or a leader for ICS. So leaders for ICS and social justice may need to boldly take the lead in some ways to engage in autocratic leadership to move the school out of the quagmire of failure. Um, they, they encourage, uh, you know, subversion, ignoring laws. In fact, if in fact the legislation is opposed to ICS, then legislation must be leveraged or changed in support of ICS. Uh, on page 38, leaders for ICS and social justice understand policies and regulations enough to determine what to circumvent and what to use in support of ICS. Um, they kind of talk about how you can, I mean, funds are fungible anyway, but they talk about and promote sort of misappropriation of funds. Um, they have tricks for sort of using uh, special, you know, like uh, funding for a special program. So they'll talk about these heterogeneous classrooms. It's a long quote, so I won't read it, but they basically talk about, uh, you know, you could put a special ed teacher, say in a classroom, one of these heterogeneous classrooms, 
maybe only 10% of that class say actually is there for special needs. And so she can be in there, but you can fund her hundred percent from, from the, the budget for that, even though, you know, 90% of her time would be on not, not focused on that. Um, they talk about manipulating data um, to only continue to collect data and use it in ways that support their efforts. That's a quote. So you'll see one thing I've noticed in a lot of these districts, they get obsessed with graduation rates. So something that's very easy for them to manipulate, um, but they kind of ignore forward exams. I know that in Middleton, they, they desperately don't want parents to go look at what's happening in the forward exams from grade four on. Um, and so there's a in lot. Our, in our district, um, one of the school board candidates in the spring was pointing out our academic decline based on data that came from the school district's website um, and the administration and the uh, a, a political party in our district organized uh, um, a media campaign to try to debunk that and I, I think most people saw it for what it was, but you know, rather than owning it and uh, saying, you know, we're trying to, to make this better, um, they they just try to portray it as a these oh these are crazy numbers this person's office rocker, but yet we can see you know looking at our district, looking at other neighboring districts that every district that has worked with ICS sees declining academics. Um, and so one of the other similarities between Elmbrook and um, Middleton was using, for example, Lucy Hawkins um, reading. There were children that were uh, in elementary school, third grade, that still didn't know how to read in Elmbrook because of a non-scientific based reading curriculum like Lucy Hawkins. Um, and I think, you know, our board has tried to encourage at times the the scientific piece and yet everything that um we're hearing from the teachers is that the administration undermines whatever the board wants so you have a lot of um very confusing mixed messages going on with teacher professional development um sometimes when they are implementing the things that that you know are encouraged in teacher professional development um it's actually been detrimental to Teachers. So, uh, and in reality, they're really just doing what uh, ICS encouraged them to, to do. That's a great point. And I'm really glad you guys both brought that up because I think a lot of parents, you know, or, you know, administrators too, they say, you know, CRT is not in our schools. And, you know, ICS, it's just teacher trainings. It's just helping, like you said, helping teachers be better teachers. That's not actually making its way into the classroom. But like you said, Emily and Elmbrook, you know, an honors biology class, taking time to learn about equity rather than to learn about biology or Mark in Middleton, or you're talking about a mandatory CRT class or, um, you know, the, the elimination. They had children actually be like segregated that. in um, Middleton. I think there yeah, there was a music oh. class. Mm -hmm. So we, things like this, I mean, this is ICS in practice and this is why this is so dangerous. Um, so I guess, you know, with our last couple of minutes here, do you guys have any uh, closing thoughts to parents, you know, if, they, if they've heard of ICS, um, you know, what can parents do to get involved, to learn more, to kind of stop this from, you know, taking hold in their districts? Well, I, I guess just one 
I'll do a plug for, for, I guess, myself and Emily. We are, we're both helping to start up FAIR chapters. So fairforall.org is a national organization uh, promoting a pro-human view. They have, they're putting together curriculum that's pro-human, uh, pro-human being the Martin Luther King view. Um, so I've got a, I'm helping to start up the Dane County chapter and uh, Emily's starting up the, the Southwest, uh, Wisconsin Southwest. So you can, that's certainly one way to be involved. There's parent groups. Um, uh, we've started a parent group for Middleton called, uh, so the Middleton district is MacPass, so our, ours is MacPass focus on education. Um, definitely get involved that way, uh, in general, um, to, to the, the, the view of ICS equity, again, it's about this social construction, constructivism. It's about creating this utopian society. They've got no interest in academic rigor. Um, so parents insisting on academic rigor, insisting on having AP programs, insisting on having the special needs programs that the kids need, insisting on having this stuff um, that we know that works, that's promoted by science, insisting that the school board presents actual data for these changes that they're doing. What is the actual evidence? Don't accept a technocratic um, authoritarian imposition of stuff. Insist to see what is the backing for this? Why are we gonna be doing this? Um, holding them to account, bringing up the, the, the falling forward exams, bringing up the falling enrollments. Um, insist on accountability. Something that I think has been beneficial for our parent group um, is we, connected and networked with other neighboring districts. Um, every superintendent in our state has a weekly phone call where they talk about different challenges that they're facing and how they're overcoming them. So it's not surprising that much of the messaging that um, I'm hearing in my school district is very similar to what other people are hearing, um, meaning we don't I don't even, I didn't even know what critical race theory was until this happened. And I, you know, those are, you could go to any school board meeting practically throughout the state of Wisconsin and you're gonna hear very similar messaging. Uh, much of it is because the Department of Public Instruction is uh, rooted in the same ideologies. And so they, they've all bought into this whole system. But I think it's a game changer when parents start networking with, you know, for example, in the Milwaukee area, we have Waukesha County, um, all of the wow counties. So we're, we're all surrounding the Milwaukee area, but we're banding together to try to promote making sure that our kids get strong academics and not social activism. Let us parent our children at home. We know the best way to um, educate our children on morality, and, and we know the best way to get through uh, to them without compromising our own individual family and our faith. So it, it just, um, having that united front, I think that I, our voice is louder when we are band together. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you both so much for joining us on the podcast today. I really appreciate your wisdom and insight on this subject. And thank you both for the work that you guys are doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the MacGyver Newsmakers podcast. Today we were joined by Mark and Emily who talked about ICS for Equity in Wisconsin schools. For the MacGyver Institute, I'm Abby Doubleack. <laughs>